Welcome back to another episode of Strat Chat. Uh, this is now episode four. Yeah, we, we're starting to get some regulars on the episodes now. Um, so Jago and Eliza are here as usual. Hello. Hello. <laughs> and then we've got George back again as Soph is just constantly busy. Um, so George is, is stepping in yet again. Hello again. Hello again. <laughs> Let me explain. Strategy? Let's talk a little strategy, guys. What else could you possibly want? So first off, we're going to get into some headline news, some stories that are pretty big. Everybody's talking about them, but we're going to take a few different angles into it and look at a few facts and figures that we found online. Um, then we're going to go into platform changes. Um, Eliza has done a lot of different research into what platforms are doing, how they're changing and um, how they're implementing these these changes. Uh, and then going into a bit of insights into um, different campaigns that we've seen go live, the peaks and the pits, what's been good, what's been bad, what's been ugly, and getting a bit of insights from our team of, of what we think is, is working. Wow, Carl, it sounds like you've really thought about this one. <laughs> oh, practice, get some energy off this episode. <laughs> right, so headline news. Um, Eliza, do you want to start us off? So one of the biggest and most important movements happening at the moment is uh, Black Lives Matter. And a lot of this has been facilitated through social platforms, really helping to disseminate the this true story of what happened and kind of call for action and kind of educate people on why this movement is so important and why why people want to demand this justice and really see a change happen. We're seeing that Instagram, Facebook and Twitter have all changed their official profiles to black and white and prominently showing the, the hashtag Black Lives Matter. TikTok and LinkedIn have been posting messages in support. Um, is it enough, though? Is it enough? I feel like there, there, there's been um, kind of different things uh, circulated this week. Obviously, social platforms play such a huge part in any um, any cultural movement, especially with the kind of uh, the the disbelief in mainstream media. It kind of lies with social platforms to be the ones to, to allow for the truth. Um, I know... There was a TikTok was accused earlier in the week of uh, hiding the Black Lives Matter uh, hashtag for a period of time uh, and then came out and blamed it on a bug, which is a li- little bit suspicious, in, in my opinion. I don't know. When it gets into this remit, I think platforms that have such a they can really have such an effect on the popularity of a conversation and, and how a conversation gets steered because they are the vehicle for for this conversation um they have such a powerful position and they they have to really make sure that they're doing it correctly yeah i think on the other side of that as well carl like they have a responsibility as well like you're saying they are they are such a, a vehicle of conversation around uh, social matters and things like that that really this in the same way that brands do they they have a huge responsibility in situations like this to step up and and drive the conversation in it's very ways. difficult though because on the one hand you're battling fake news and so you're trying to, to squash stories that that shouldn't be there but at the same time it's really hard to ascertain what what is and isn't true so then you're infringing on free speech so they're they're kind of walking a very tight rope um very very difficult situation to be in but uh, Everything they can do to show support is is obviously appreciated, but it needs to it needs to come from the right place as well. So I think TikTok posting a message, having uh, having accidentally hidden certain topics, 
is uh, I think there's a lot more to be done from them in the coming weeks. But we'll see how that we'll see how that one plays out. Yeah, it's a it's a big issue that we've always had with mass media. I mean, the the news stations and everything have have always controlled what what is said. Um, and the truth of the matter is that social media platforms do have the power to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Uh, then moving on to the next uh, story, which is um, quite a big one that everyone would have seen: um, the launch of SpaceX. Is it the first first man? I think man so, yeah, one? the first man um, into space. That's right. Um, so, Eliza, you got a few stats and figures about that? Yeah, so the event was streamed on YouTube through various official channels. So you had NASA's YouTube that raked in about 18 million views at present. Uh, NBC pulled in 5.3 million views and The Guardian 1.8 million views. So, like, all- I, think I, I followed the whole thing on, yeah. on Twitter that night. I don't think I watched, I, I didn't street, uh, tune into any live video, but I was just, I was just uh, refreshing tweets. don't know if that's a weird thing to do, but... That is weird. Why well, would you not no. be like? Oh, because it was like kind of in the background, it? but it was like you basically get what's going on anyway, and you get there's like clips and memes and people talking about it, and I feel it's just God. It's, you're so millennial. But then <laughs> you're kind of talking about this earlier, and that it's it's bizarre how the viewing experience has changed. Like me saying that I did that, as opposed yeah. to you were saying I don't know how many years ago, but you mentioned Apollo Eleven. Yeah. So Apollo Eleven, um, which was obviously the um, shuttle that then ended up being the moon landing. Um, the, the moon landing itself was viewed by 600 million people, estimated, which obviously, I mean, it, it is a much bigger event, so that is understandable. But the, the launch was viewed by an estimated 25 million people in the US alone. But what's quite interesting is that, I mean, that's back in a day where not everybody had a TV set. Obviously, the only way that you could really watch it was on a TV set. It also meant that all those numbers were estimated and they were just pulling those numbers from what they thought it was whereas the numbers that we have today are literally down to the last digit of of who's viewed that content um and it just positions it quite a a weird way of saying that number of 25 million people watched the apollo 11 launch but how how accurate was it how accurate do we actually think that that's how many people watched it well i think the the other thing is we can't really like then you you know Apollo Eleven. You're watching it in on one format. It was pro- it might have been across. I don't know. They probably had three channels at this point. I'm not sure. Like if it had grown to the extent. So you're watching it in in one format now. Like we've already discovered, Jago was looking at you know tweets and and the fallout on on Twitter of of the event, and someone else is watching on YouTube, and someone else is probably watching someone else watch it. It's very hard to even though we've got you know empirical empirical figures it's really hard to measure what the cultural uh, impact is because it's such like a granular viewing thing i think so it's like even though it's it seems more accurate i still think that it's like it's not as you know it's still as it's not easy to measure how you know much of an impact that ha- that had yeah and also maybe because everybody like it was such a phenomenon to to watch it like everybody turned on the tv at that time to watch the launch whereas now i mean i was the case i was on a golf course when it happened so i just watched the highlight reel of it later um whereas back then you wouldn't have been able to do that even if you want if, if they did have like clips on the news later you would have to tune in at a specific time to watch that so well i think, I think the, the real change that... is obviously it's great to, to mark the event and say look this time x many years ago we achieved this and now we're doing this but for me, the change is not what we're watching; it's how we're watching it. 
So like you say, you were on, on your phone in a golf course. I was on Twitter. Someone else was watching a YouTube live stream. It, it's not obviously that we've got more choice than ever before, not in just what we watch, but how we watch it. And I think it's just really interesting to uh, such a, a big event like that. You can still basically have it in any way you want. It's so convenient to watch it as well. You can rewatch it whenever you want. You can go back to it, multiple platforms. It's just very, very convenient to watch it now. Do, do you think that it takes the magic out of it, really, to, being able to do that? I think, like, there's something, like, you know, you, you the story, I think my dad told me that it's like it was four in the morning in the UK when when they when Neil Armstrong took his first step, right, and he remembers being, like, you know, all crowded around the set watching it. There's something mm. so magical about that compared to, like, Kyle <laughs> on his phone at a golf course hey, watching it. Hey, it was quite it. magical. Should have seen the shot I just hit. <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, last of our, our headline news, um, the yeah, quite a big one for especially for platforms. Um, Kevin Mayer, um, the previous COO, uh, no, sorry, CSO of um, Disney. I think he then ended up as as head of streaming um, has now moved over to CEO of TikTok. And the reason why I thought this would be quite an interesting one to touch on is because he was chief strategy officer. So quite relevant for this podcast um, at Disney before. But. A big thing that he did when he was at Disney was um, acquire, uh, I think it was so Marvel, um, 20th Century Fox, Lucasfilm, and Pixar. Uh, like he was the deal man behind all of those. That's interesting. So, do we think that they've brought him in to just make TikTok even bigger, or do we think it's something to do with the Chinese US kind of situation? It's Disneyfying TikTok, isn't it? Like there's a there's a definitely an element of that no one really knows where TikTok came from. Like the whole, uh, you know, the ethics of it and it merged out of nowhere. You know, putting a putting a guy like that, you know, to a face like that and what mm. he's done, as well as obviously you know building out like you're saying, you know, um, you know, bringing in new stuff to TikTok like you've done with Disney. But it's well, it's like the 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 one thing that TikTok struggles with is it is like most platforms is it is completely at the mercy of the people who are using it like they the content on there is obviously made by whoever wants to make it but obviously his work at disney was massively about acquiring rights so is it a move from tiktok are they going to start creating stuff in-house are they going to start building like media brands is there going to be like a, a buy tiktok um strain of content are they going to start making episodic things? Like, who fucking knows? Do we do we know? Do we have a figure or an idea of a figure of what the, this move costs or what um, Kevin's getting for it? So apparently, at Disney, his base salary was one point eight million. Um, they haven't released what his his current his new salary will be, um, but I do know that he went. Apparently, he went for the Disney CEO um, role to replace Bob Iger. He didn't get it. It was given to another guy called um, Bob Chapik. And since then, this guy's actually taken a, had to take half pay salary um, due to COVID. So um, I think he's probably, Kevin's probably made the right choice. I mean, TikTok's had a massive surge. I mean, 800 million active users. It's the ninth most popular social media app. Um, and it's above the likes of Twitter and Snapchat. And interestingly, it took Instagram double the time to reach 800 million active users. TikTok took three years, and then Instagram obviously took double than that. So its growth is 
unchallenged, it's huge. So yeah. it'd be interesting to see with Kevin Mayer as the CEO where it's going to go. I can't wait yeah. to watch Toy Story 5 on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the thing, though. Would you, would you ever go to TikTok to watch genuinely high-quality No, it's the opposite of that, content? isn't it, really? Yeah. Uh, so if, 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 they, if they've got him in the hope that he apl- applies a similar strategy of uh, acquiring rights um, to produce content under certain like names, how does that sit on TikTok? Or, like you say, on the other hand, are they getting hold of him for regulatory... Um, reasons. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, he's a terrifying looking geezer. That is all I know. <laughs> yeah, Bradley's like six foot five. He looks wow. huge. He looks like John Cena in a suit. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, he he. Yeah, hopefully he's a big man because he's got a, a big job ahead of him um, to try and to try oh, and sort all of that out. What a wrap up card! Can I just say that was phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I had quite Smooth. a few in the locker that I was gonna I was gonna go with, and I decided <laughs> you picked the right one. one. Yeah, well yeah, done, mate. Well done. Um, cool. So that wraps up the headline section. Um, going on to platforms and platform changes. Um, Eliza, this is very much your remit. So do you want to get into it? Yeah. Um, so one of the most um, interesting things happening at the moment in terms of platform changes and what's been happening in the space is um, so Facebook have this app development team called the MPE team so new product experiment team um, they've just released a, well a high volume of apps in one week so three apps have been released under the MPE team in a week so one of the apps that got released was the collab which was an invite only app that was kind of inspired by TikTok, enabling you to remix and share music videos. So kind of pulling on the the content creation and the short form videos. Um, Another app that they did release as well was one with uh, group voice calls, um, and it kind of facilitated one-to-one group voice calls when friends were online and ready to chat. So the kind of US- But how do they they drive users to these new apps that they're rolling out? Because they're not not in Facebook or Instagram or WhatsApp. (laughs) So they they have to get people to download and start using these, right? Um, I mean, there is a lot of people talking about them, and they have had pla- mm. um, like different apps as well that haven't been super popular. But I think the people, I think it again, it's the people kind of in the marketing space that kind of hear about it and then sign on and kind of see what it's all about. Um, mm. And it's just really, I feel like, a test for them to kind of see how people interact with that app and kind of get their own data on kind of the consumer habits that they've kind of seen with different features. But didn't Facebook, haven't they launched a, an actual, like a, um, I don't know what you call portal. it. like uh, a the portal. Yeah. yeah. Facebook portal. So they've got, yeah, they yeah. Had like every celebrity in Yeah, yeah, exactly. They found it fortunate. So they, they have done this in a, in a physical way, all the, this kind of the same sort of similar stuff, isn't mm-hmm. it? So I guess it, it seems like a, it seems like a natural progression for them, like, they, they they were born with the idea of connecting people over long distances, but it enables enables them to run small tests outside of their exactly. platforms. And if if anything sticks or if anything's really successful, they just integrate it. So they're integrated to Portal or they're integrated to WhatsApp yeah. or Instagram or Facebook. 
Yeah, I think they really just use it as a keep an eye on them. Yeah, use it as a way to test the waters, kind of. Another interesting app they released was Venue as well, which was the last and the or the third release of the apps in the week. Um, so this one basically tries to connect uh, the second screen experience with live events. So when you're watching a live event, you can go onto this platform and then talk about that event with a community or um, curated um, selection of experts. So you're kind of within the conversations and keeping it. Um, across different screens so this kind of solves the the problem of what live events better balance with social media engagement so twitter experimented with it a bit and um you can see by different studies that people are multi-screening a lot more so i think there was a a study by think google that showed that 90 percent of people use multiple screens and facebook also did their own separate experiment and found that 94 people 94% of people keep watching um, what they're watching on TV with their smart ha smartphone in hand as well. So it kind of kind of picks up on that consumer behavioural change of people always having two screens by them and how they can be connected by a live event and also be connected with a conversation about that live event on their phone. Because I'm, I'm always on Twitter. Whenever I'm watching anything, I'm, I'll be on Twitter, especially if it's particularly if it's Clearly, live. even if, when you're not watching but, things like SpaceX launch. Yeah, yeah, I was on Twitter about two minutes ago as well. Um, it is, in my opinion, the, the place to go for anything live. However, it's not, it's far from perfect. Like, you, you've got hashtags to navigate and you've got topics, but there's a huge amount of stuff you don't want to see and, and you don't know who to listen to. And unless you follow someone who is an expert about that event or, or involved with that event you don't know if they are authoritative yeah, so or not. this is what this platform brings together you're going to have these people who have an expert voice within these conversations and then you can get involved in these conversations and know it comes from kind of a reputable source i like that it's a smart move because twitter's always been the place of 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 events physical live tv events have always been on twitter in my opinion but so that's obviously a, a, a place where Facebook is looking to, to take some more ownership. But I'd like to, I'd like to experiment with it because it, so, it sounds like my kind of thing, to be honest. Any more from you, Liza? Yeah, so um, Twitter are also toying with the idea of audio tweets as well. Um, this is something they've kind of played around with before and Facebook have also had kind of a go um, audio posts as well. But it's kind of jumping on the trend of podcasts and audio content you also see like the popularity of audible people love to consume uh, content that's usually read but through hearing because of convenience so this is kind of seeing how they could bring that to the platform there was a really cool fact that you put in there about um about podcasts and was it that uh, there are now a million over a million active podcasts yeah. um with 30 million episodes uh whereas two years ago there was only five hundred thousand. Um, yeah, it just wow. speaks to the, the growth of it and the popularity. And something interesting as, uh, as well, the, um, the content director at Audible noted that the growth is being seen a lot with the age group of 18 to 24. Um, so this is not an age group that you traditionally see as a strong book buying group. But in terms of creating that, that book in a, an Audible situation, people are more willing to kind of read and learn more through hearing. Yeah, I, th I, I particularly yeah. I feel like in, in our generation and the younger generation, there's must be like video fatigue. I know like video has become 
online like the absolute go-to and if something doesn't have a video it, it, it's almost not worth watching but you reach a point where you consume so much in a day that you kind of just don't want to look at a screen anymore that doesn't mean you want to necessarily switch off but it becomes difficult to so TikTok for example the way that the viewing experience works is it's just video after video after video with no gap in the in the user experience and it does get quite I don't know, it kind of fries your brain a bit and you do get a bit fatigued and you kind of stop taking it in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it definitely swings in, swings in roundabouts. I mean, it, it's weird if you what if you take if you think about like the different platforms that were popular, you had what radio before. OK, so audio pretty similar to to your podcast, then going into TV. So video um, well, actually, no, probably print first, then radio, then TV. Um, and then the social media platforms coming in who all kind of touched on each on an element of those um you had like different forms of it and now we're starting to see a cycle back to to your to your audio um kind of like your audio books your podcasts i I think it's very much there's there's a lot of peaks and troughs that it's it's gonna take i think it'd be quite interesting to test audio tweets with news as well considering like 71 percent of twitter users use a platform to get news it could be interesting in the way that they use audio tweets to kind of disseminate news as well as well on the platform i think that would be something that would be quite useful and then it kind of removes the situation where people misinterpret yeah. stuff i think the thing is though with visual content and with written content you can within a few seconds you can tell almost whether it's for you or whether you want to carry on but with audio it's it, it's much more difficult to kind of see or feel what's coming um so if for it to work there's the algorithm or or the curation will have to be basically just really really well done um because that's what the, the struggle yeah. with podcasts is it takes you about 10 minutes of listening before you can decide whether or not you like it Whereas when you see a video on Facebook, yeah. it takes about three seconds before you decide whether or not you're interested. So it's much more difficult with audio to kind of get that buy-in. The content becomes so much more important. I mean, yeah. I think it's quite personal. It's a really personal touch. I think Twitter can be quite dis- disconnected sometimes. And I think audio would be a way you'd get more personal um, relationships and connections with mm. people. And again, if, if you're like me and you do your news roundup every morning on Twitter... I wouldn't mind just logging logging on and someone telling me what the fuck's going on. Um, <laughs> especially with America being a few hours behind, you tend to wake up in a completely different world than you did yesterday. Um, so if there was a curation of, of, of actually quality audio that could do that, but it was organic, it wasn't from your CNNs or your Foxes, it was, it was uh, yeah, organic audio content that was actually engaging and actually informative, I think it would work. I think you'll probably get a lot of ASMR stuff as well, probably. George, would you like somebody whispering in your ear? Only if it's you, Carl. <laughs> well, I've got to whisper to you that we're going to move on to the next section, <laughs> which is going to be the peaks and the pits and looking at what's um, what's been good and what's been bad in the in the marketing space and campaigns that we think have worked well. Um, and one that I, I just want to touch on, I mean, I don't know if you guys saw it, but the the mock-ups of of Specsaver billboards um, after the whole Bernard Castle with um, Dominic Cummings, where they said, "Oh, should have gone to Bernard Castle," because obviously the whole eye test. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, it's great. That probably wasn't started by Specsavers, but because they've created something that's so 
that's so catchy and everybody knows oh, I should have gone Specsavers. People are going to naturally create content around that. But then how much responsibility do the brands have over that and controlling what is being said? I think it, it can only be a good thing. If, if, you're, if you're scared of that as a brand of people like, if Specsavers, like by now they want people to use that slogan as much as possible because they have complete ownership. So it's just, it's more, people know where these things originate from. So like the fact that we like, they have ownership of that sentence and then everyone says it, you know, it's, it leads back to them. So I think like, it's, it's good to have ownership, but it's also good to like, let people do as they will with it. Yeah. Um, and it is, it, I guess. If anything, that, yeah. that's the ultimate success of a campaign that it becomes, it becomes a part of, in this case, it becomes a part of the English language. You know, yeah. it, it's a way of Definitely. should have gone to Specsavers is become more of a campaign than they could have ever imagined it ever being to the point where yeah. I don't even know if it's still running um, from them, but people yeah. use it as a way to make commentary on what's going on in the world. I think it's almost it's almost changed. Oh, well, actually, I, I don't really know what Specsavers is like brand was before it, but I think because it was then used so much as like memes and and gags and stuff, it kind of allowed them to be a bit more satirical and a bit more com- kind of comedic in their approach to things. I mean, we saw during the Ashes cricket series when they sp- started supporting. Um, oh, I've forgotten his name now. Um, and neither none of you are gonna. No, <laughs> no none of us like cricket. You're the only one. I remember. Right? <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so it started showing support and giving a like tongue-in-cheek way of, of talking about it. Um, I think it allowed them to have a different approach and not be too serious. I mean, they're a spectacle brand. How how jokey could they really be? Yeah. But they have been able to shift and change. I, I actually interestingly met the guy who came up with that. He was, he was someone working in-house in their little small marketing department. It was, it was like a, a decade ago plus, I'm pretty sure, at this point. And, you know, he was like, I think they just said it as a passing thing and then thought, fuck, that's actually so good. And then it just became like the core of their communications for the next however many years. Probably still, I think it still is, to be honest. Um, well, now, now it's out of their control. It's Now it's in the hands of the yeah. public and, and people it's, use it whenever they want. So they've lost all control over it, whether that's brand safe or not. But they don't have to yeah. make ads anymore because people make them for them. Yeah. Jack Leach. Jack Leach was the person I was trying to think of. There we go. Guy who stayed, <laughs> was... stayed at the end. He was batting with he was batting with glasses, um, and and they just took it as the chance to to yeah, make a splash and and put their name forward. Um, but going to on onto the actual best one that that we kind of picked out. Um, George, I think this was the one that you yeah. you chose. I think this is. I think. I mean, it's simple. It's it's a brewdog can. I mean, it, it really. You kind of have to see it. I'm going to just describe it now, but it's probably easy just to Google it. You've probably seen it. It's the Barnard Castle Eye Test Brewdog, and they describe the flavour as hazy. And obviously, as you look down the can, uh, it, the, the words become more blurry. So it's uh, it's a joke at Dominic Cummings saying that he needed to drive. Was it a 30-mile round trip to test his eyes? Is that right? To, uh, to Barnard I Castle? I think it was 60 miles round. 60 miles round, exactly, yeah. Something like that. But you can actually buy this. I mean, BrewDog is like, you know, I think the amount of times we hear as an agency, like, I want to be like BrewDog, you know, or I want to be like Paddy Pat. It's one or the other because these guys are 
you know they're, they're they're great at this PR stuff and they're great they're, they're always the quickest of the draw you know um, and so that you can actually buy this beer as like you know as a limited edition thing as well which you think yeah. like that costs money to do that you've got to be sure that the joke's going to land before you actually invest in producing it as a beer well what they did so I think one thing that Brewdog do from what I understand is they constantly try and chip in to, to, to what is relevant at the moment yeah. and sometimes these things land really really well yeah. and sometimes they don't and they kind of fizzle out yeah. and they've been they've been criticized in the past for being a bit outspoken and, and whatever but that tends to not last as long but when it's really good people talk about it more yeah. um and one thing i noticed they did with this is they kind of tested it first so they did they asked the question they, they gave four options of what to call the beer with the with little mock-ups um and i think they ran polls for it um and then the barnacast lie test won and so they said they were going to put that one into production All right. so what they kind of did there subtly but quite cleverly is test the idea with the poll yeah which could have easily flopped and no one would have cared, but it, it kind of picked up a bit and people voted. Yeah. And and then they decided to go for it. And now they're actually, things like this, stunts like this only work if you follow through. So if they never actually made the cans, it wouldn't be half as impactful. And you know that once they've made the cans and shipped them, um, they're obviously they're not doing a huge number, but there'll be a whole, there'll be a resurgence of content where people are posting photos of them. But, they, they tested it with one tweet asking the question. When that got confirmed, they then got the wheels rolling with the rest of it, um, which is like quite a safe way to test a risky creative. Yeah, mm. it's a good way yeah. to test the waters and, and really see. Mm. And they're just using the audience. They're just doing some market research and they're utilizing social media platforms to do that, which you can do on a much quicker scale. If you try to do a survey like that back in the day, it would have taken ages. Um, whereas yeah. now you can literally do it overnight. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean that was a really good one. And then going on to the worst one, um, Eliza, I think you've got some some insights into this one. Yeah. So um, so Nova Play, I you probably haven't heard of this company because if you Google them, you can't really find them anymore apart from a Russian website. But they are basically. I hear people googling. Now. We're, we're all talking. <laughs> but um, <about> I, <laughs> but, <laughs> but basically, Kylie Jenner did a. a a sponsored story uh, promoting Nova Play because they were offering their, their they were earpods they were like uh, the airpods kind of thing but they were like 70% off a normal price so um, they were offering £30 for this product with free shipping which sounds already like a, something that's too good to be true um, but Kylie Jenner of like a, a number that's been thrown around is on around a million for a post um, and then for a story benchmark off the top of that, it's usually like 30% of your feed post. Wait, so she would have been a million dollars for one, one feed post. Yeah, At that's least. kind of the figure that gets bounced in. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and then the benchmark for that is 30% of a feed post would usually be your, your story price. Um, so let's say like 30,000 uh, 30, for a story um, and that product being £30. Um, the partnership, they would have had to break even by selling 10,000 units. So 
to really pull even. And that's even considering the fact that they're dropping the, po the cost of shipping and they're losing money there and the, the product was 70% off. So it's kind of a bit like a question mark on whether that, yeah, but, that is like a true... But these things must cost yeah. them pennies. Yeah. That's the problem. They must cost... I'm on um, their website now and it still says 70% off sale with Kylie Jenner. Like they're, they're not going to yeah. let that die. No. But it's just it just shows a complete, like, does she no. use them? Absolutely not. No. Like, and that's... It was such a bad ad. It was so, like, I saw the story and it was just very, like... You remember the time when Scott Disick did an ad and he accidentally copied <laughs> and pasted kind of the directions on what he had to say? I love bringing it's that It's just, out. like, <laughs> it's just so bad. No, I think the, but, the, um... the caption starts with... Uh, at 4 p.m. EST, <laughs> right, and then it's the caption. Did he post it at 4 p.m.? <laughs> Probably. He literally copy and pasted it. Slurry. But um, the thing with that website, if you really look at it, um, it's kind of a bit sketchy in the fact that all the the product reviews are seemingly from influencers and influencer posts mm. just copy and pasted over. Um, a lot of the the images about the the products are, look very staged and. Obviously, 101 of building trust with a website, reviews is so important and it kind of jumps on that but kind of makes it, turns it into a bad thing because it just seems too forced and contrived. Um, and a lot of people were like searching around and talking about how they just didn't just, they kind of had a lot of distrust for that website. Um, and then obviously the, web, the website went down um, and then there was a Russian version that popped up and it was just, it was just very weird in general. Well, from an, um, and it, from an influencer perspective, they've done everything wrong. They've paid for someone for their reach over anything else. Uh, they've got someone who's probably never used it in their life and they've paid. And you know that they've never used yeah, it. Yeah. And they've paid them to do one story. Like that's, those are the like three cardinal sins that you just cannot do. And they've done all of them. And they've probably done worse. It's yeah, shocking. I think the best thing, because I, I watched it when it first came out, because I was just like scrolling and looking through. And like the first one she posted, and I think she deleted it and then did another one. And it was just, it was just so like, you just kind of rolled your eyes. And it was like, it's the standard kind of, they didn't do their, their research into the product first. And they, they kind of just jumped on the yeah. bandwagon and did it. Probably because the price was right. And it kind of calls on the distrust and the bad name that influencers get from these kind of moves you've got to be smart and it kind of links back to another breeze. brand that did the similar thing which was quite a scammy campaign um kenza um kenza cosmetics was a did a huge deal and they were basically giving away makeup brushes for free and all you had to do was pay for the shipping and they got huge influencers to come behind this um come behind this uh, campaign including uh, gabby Hanna and tana mojo and a lot of people didn't get their orders or um, the items came damaged or the product quality wasn't as described. They were meant to be like very luxury products at $80 at the original price. And they just came and they were just really, really crap. It's, it's, it's interesting because like, I think as an influencer, I know, I know that there is a, a portion of influencers and we, we know especially that will do that will do promote most yeah, things. Yeah. I mean, we've seen all seen like the YouTube pranks and then the BBC programs about you know, made up products that influencers will promote for cash. But there's at a certain point, you don't want your name on things that are just going to be in the press for the wrong reasons, right? And that's what astounds me is that Kylie Jenner, the youngest, you know, self-made billionaire, right? Well, not anymore. Not anymore. Of, yeah, yeah, <laughs> we all, yeah, exactly. She's actually not a billionaire. But not even that's true. Exactly. Uh, but it's just, I mean, 
it you where's where's the brain power here like you you know this is a, a dodgy product like you have a the the their brand the kardashian brand is one of the biggest like you know amongst our generation to 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 risk the credibility over that i don't i don't, I don't see them it must have been a shit ton of money that's that's bottom line right it just must have been an unbelievable amount yeah. of money. Well, yeah. it's, 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 it's free money, isn't it? It's free. You don't have to, yeah. you have to post the story wearing some headphones. I mean, there's nothing to it. There's no, you don't, you don't understand. You don't invest time in understanding the brand. You don't go and experience what it's like. Yeah. You don't learn, like you don't learn about it. You've got nothing to share. And yeah. it's just, it's but the I worst do kind of get it. that like, okay, it, let's say Beats did this. They'd probably do it a bit. Well, well, because they're an actual product and they're an actual company. Um, it would probably have a bit more pull and it probably wouldn't get that much um, negative traction as, as this has done, obviously, because it was um, like a fake product. But, I mean, I saw the other one. Was it um, Kim that did it, where it was the Febreze one, where she was sitting on a bed with like diamond encrusted oh. Febreze oh, yeah. balls? And like that to me is ridiculous. Like guaranteed none of them have ever cleaned a day in their life. <laughs> So why would they be promoting these products? Like headphones, I can kind of get. Um, there's some sort of a link, but Febreze, like, yeah, but the, what I'm saying is that, like, okay, so a, a Beats mm. contract as an ambassador is good. like that's a that's a worthy like that's a life to, you can live off that forever. Like even the Kardashians would love that. You've like no one, no headphone brand is now going to look at Kylie Jenner and go like, let's let's use her as an ambassador for our headphones because she's just always going to be the person that. Did like sold out for that for those weird headphones that like you can't even really buy because they're not legit. Like you, you are. There, there's some brands that are so bad that you. Why would you ever do that? Even like the what you're saying, Carl. Like yeah. you can come back from that. <laughs> but this, mm. you're like, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's an overreaction. But I'm not. that reminds me of. Uh, I saw an Instagram story over the weekend of an influencer uh, doing an ad for the Microsoft Surface. Uh, and Microsoft Surface were doing a series of live events, like live gigs. Um, and so this influencer was was sat down watching uh, watching the live event, you know, with a glass of wine and just, just saying, oh, look, tune in and watch this. But uh, it was on a fucking MacBook. And I was just watching it and I was like, this is a microphone ad. And about half of the screen is taken up by what is clearly a MacBook. And I'm like, I don't really know how I'm like, as a consumer, how am I meant to react to this? You know. Well, if that's not an advert for Goat, then I don't know what it is. To be <laughs> yeah. yeah, email me, please. Yeah, yeah. We <laughs> promise we won't we won't fuck up as bad as that. Right. Cool. Well, I mean, that brings us literally about to click over to our hour mark. Um. So yeah, why don't we end off with some insights from the herd? I mean, obviously we we're running a lot of campaigns and, and things going on at the moment. We're seeing um, different shifts in, in content and the way people are consuming. So, Jago, do you want to touch on some different things that we've seen? I think IG Live is probably quite a big thing. Yeah, so uh, as we're probably all aware, uh, having, well, what was it, 10 weeks ago now, moving into lockdown, um, there was a meteoric rise in uh, live content, uh, particularly the IG Live format. So, IG Live has obviously been around for a very long time in the grand scheme of things, but the growth that was seen in in a matter of days and weeks was enormous. Um, and all of a sudden, everyone 
everyone wanted to do lives and brands also saw this opportunity and brands wanted to do lives and Instagram couldn't predict that kind of increase in uh, in demand and uh, it was a weird one because everyone kind of thought that oh everything's going to be live now this is what everyone does now for, for, for the foreseeable future um, and it has it has tapered off a bit but the, it wasn't without growing pains so the execution of lives uh, isn't as simple as everyone first thought. Uh, we, we've done quite a lot in our time and, and we've done lives across a lot of different platforms, but uh, people kind of slipped up a bit on, and they kind of missed the opportunity. Um, I think we just want to talk a little bit about why. One of the main reasons uh, is the disclosure. So obviously in, in to be ASA compliant and completely above board with the disclosure of advertising, you need to uh, include some kind of disclosure. So often a hashtag ad or a sponsored or, <laughs> but it was a big problem for some people at the beginning. Um, a lot of brands wanted to start sponsoring lives using influencers, but they, their functionality wasn't there to, uh, to disclaim it. So what we do, um, I, I don't want to give away too many secrets, but is the secret is in the uh, a pinned comment disclosure and brand visibility within the shop. I think to note as well that live campaigns aren't for everybody. Like, I think a lot of brands yeah. are thinking, this person's doing it, this brand is doing it, let's let's jump on this and do it. It's not for everybody. There's a lot of things you've got to consider. Um, is your audience ready available at this time? Um, and at um, the early stages as well, you could save it to your story, but then that was only 24 hours. So there was no real longevity to the content either. Um, only recently, you can now add it to IGTV. So you're you're opening up that longevity um, content stream now. But um, it's definitely not for everybody. And I think it should be used when it's, when it's valuable and the right kind of use case for your brand. I think also with, with any free event, you need to follow a, sim- a very simple... Uh structure in terms of the build-up which is you need to a create excitement b make it appear exclusive so by tuning into this you're going to get something that you can't get anywhere else um and you need to be super clear about what is happening and when um a lot of people just kind of decided oh we'll just go live um and they really really missed out on an audience that would have loved it if they a knew what was they were getting a b when the fuck it was yeah. um so there's a you kind of got to do a little bit of, of housekeeping before you decide to jump into it and also kind of circling back to what we do a little bit more it understanding who you're using and why is even more important because you can have some incredible content creators who suck at going live um and you can have some people who you think are really, really on it and really, really, they're the experts, but they struggle in a life situation and they can't answer the right questions. So it's not just about the data that you have on people. It's about understanding who they actually are as people and how they act in certain situations. Because otherwise, otherwise you risk having, you risk, it's a big risk because you can't, it's hard to optimize a life. You kind of have one and go. And you've got the issue of technical issues as well. Like you've make, got to make sure people have like yeah. good Wi-Fi, and there's loads of different things to consider. Yeah, but it's funny. It's funny how uh, everyone everyone rushed to it, um, and some people did it better than others. But even just even just flicking through, uh, there was a time I'm sure we'll all remember it when your first ten stories were all lives. Yeah. Um, 
and the execution on some of them was just <laughs> there are so many easy small things you can do to make them better that people just just weren't doing it's just like the first five minutes of your double chin just wondering if it's actually recording or doing anything <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, i think that's the biggest thing like for us is that we just know that there's so much more that goes on behind the curtain i mean this this whole episode has kind of been on that of everything that goes on behind the scenes that what you see on face value is is not necessarily what's been going on and there's a lot of planning and effort that goes into making sure that all those all those things get executed um and I, I think that just comes across in anything that you do on social. Um, I think it, as a strategy, that's just always important. It always starts with that research and that, that development um, to begin with before you press that record button and, and go live. Um, so, yeah, I think that, that kind of wraps us up, up quite nicely. Was was that a good end, good enough ending for you, George? Uh, I think you, your one earlier might have been a bit stronger, but that was all right. Bit, bit more, you set the bar quite high. All yeah, right, I'll, I'll yeah. keep. I'll, I'll practice over the week, and hopefully next week I'll, I'll be even better. Um, sadly, yeah. this week we don't because we're recording on a on a Monday rather than a Thursday, so we don't have any clapping for the NHS to do. Um, I wonder if it's got, apparently it might be the last one last week. Yeah, it was. Well, the woman who started it said that it that, that should have been the last one. Um, mm, not but, sure about that. Know, I think. I think people will continue doing it. I don't. I don't imagine. I don't see why it would stop. But well, in a change of direction, we're we're not going to be we're not going to have any clapping um to end to end the show this week. But just goodbyes and yeah, we'll we'll see you guys next week. All right, cheers, Bye, Carl. Let me explain. Strategy. Let's talk a little strategy, guys. What else could you possibly want?